Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Exodus how the Jewish people as a whole would listen and believe Moses, but how the Jewish people today as a whole do not listen and believe the Lord Jesus Christ. Download this message at friendshipwithgod.org. Hello, and I'd like to welcome you again today as we continue in our study in this wonderful book of Exodus. Let's look to God first in prayer. Father, thank you so much for giving us your word. We thank you, Lord, that before Moses wrote any word in this book, that first, Lord, it went through your filters, and you decided which words would be put down on the page for us today. Help us, Lord, to as we, as we read your word, to take it in, to, to live by it, to digest it within our souls, and to realize this are the very words that come from the mouth of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now, if you follow along here in Exodus chapter 3, I'll start reading uh, at verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go, gather the elders of Israel together, and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and of of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And you shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the city, that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I'll stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof, and after that he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. Now, we come now, and we're really focused here on verse 18. Verse 18 is so important because we see in verse 18 how God told Moses something rather remarkable, and it just stops us right in our tracks when we read these words. And these are the words that we see here in verse 18, where it says, the first part, and they shall hearken to thy voice. And they shall hearken to thy voice. It's amazing when we read that, because Moses has learned from his past that the Jewish people are not a people that are given to hearkening to the voice of Moses. And so he has learned that, 
And he will learn that for the rest of his entire life from this point on, that to have this statement, they shall hearken to thy voice, is very unusual to be said about the Jewish people. This was very unusual. And we think it's unusual too when we read it. But God wanted Moses to know, to really know, not have any doubt about it, and be assured that this was not going to be like his past with the Jewish people. This was going to be absolutely different because this was going to break the past pattern of unbelief and it would be rare that this is going to happen. Therefore, God made this promise, a word of assurance, a word of promise to Moses, and they shall hearken to thy voice. It sounds so beautiful. It's so wonderful. Those of us who really love the Jewish people and have a heart to see them come to the Lord Jesus Christ and just to to see these words, just to hear these words, they shall hearken to thy voice. We love the Jewish people. We want with all of our hearts for them to be saved from their own sins. We see the Jewish people as on the trains, those trains during the, 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 the time of the Nazi Germany when, the, with the, when, when Hitler had come up with the final solution and had those train tracks built, the trains, the cattle cars, as they went to concentration camps, which were really death camps, and the ones we're so used to seeing are the ones that went to Auschwitz, but there were the other ones as well, the ones that went to Sachsenhausen and throughout Germany and throughout Austria, throughout Poland, all those places of death and those train tracks that went to them and those trains that went. And to be on that train was to have an end of a Holocaust. When we think about that and we talk about that and all the Holocaust museums dedicated to the one point that it should never happen again. So therefore the phrase, never again, never again. But yet we see so clearly that there is another holocaust, a worst holocaust, a holocaust that does not end with the hissing sound of gas surprisingly coming out of shower heads, a holocaust that is an eternal holocaust. And we want with all of our hearts for the Jewish people to get off these trains whose end is the eternal holocaust. And we know We know that there's one way, there's only one way for a Jewish person, for any lost person, but it's for a lost Jewish person to get off the train whose end is the eternal Holocaust. And that one way to get off the train is described for us in John chapter 14, verse 6, where the Lord Jesus Christ said, The only way to get off the train whose end is the eternal holocaust were from what he said. He said, where Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the way off of the train is himself. He didn't say, this is what you must do. These are the traditions you must follow. This is the diet that you must eat and that you must not eat. He didn't say that. He said simply that he didn't say, he didn't say this tradition, this way of life, this dress, 
these things hanging from your pants, this yarmulke, this kosher food, this not seafood, this, etc. He didn't say that's the way to get off the train whose end is the eternal holocaust. He said, I, he said, I, I himself, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, simply himself is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And nobody gets off that train whose end is in the eternal holocaust. No one, no man, as he put it, cometh unto the Father but by me. He starts off the statement, I am. He ends by his, with this statement, but by me. It's, it begins, it ends with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so only the Lord Jesus Christ, only the Lord Jesus Christ, by him being a person for an individual, his way, only the Lord Jesus Christ, by him being for an individual, his truth, only by the Lord Jesus Christ, by him being for that individual, his life, does that person have the ability to get off the train that leading to eternal holocaust and get on the new train that leads to eternal life. So, what do we do? Those of us, who, when we go to the Jewish people, we make great overtures. That's what my dear friend said. My dear friend, dear Orthodox friend, one time said to me, he was actually angry with me, and I said, why Why are you angry? He said, because you made overtures to me. And as I went away and I thought about it, I said to myself, yes, I did, and yes, I do. And yes, I will make overtures. Why? Because God makes great overtures to the Jewish people and to lost people in general. And that's what Paul was saying. Make overtures in, in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He's talking about making overtures to the soul, of, of venturing out of our own little self-bubble to actually encounter with purpose and intention lost people when Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Those, what, a, what a title for ourselves, ambassadors for Christ. So what do we do as ambassadors for Christ according to what it says here? We make overtures. How do we make overtures? We explain. We make overtures by explaining. We share. We make overtures by sharing. We ask. We make overtures by asking. We invite. We make overtures by inviting. We plead. We make overtures by pleading. We beg. We make overtures by begging the lost to get off the train that leads to the eternal holocaust. That's what we do. And we do this by inviting the lost to be reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And after we do all this overturing to the lost, then we anticipate. Because that's natural. If you're really sincere, then you anticipate. We anticipate. We envision. And as we do that, we want, we desire, we long for, we crave. We just go crazy to see the lost get off the train and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And like Paul expressed all of this, this desire, the going crazy to see the lost come to him. In this case, Paul was speaking of the lost Jewish people, but he said it this way in Romans 9, 2 through 4. He talked about his own feelings 
when he said, I have great heaviness. What's a heaviness? A burden. Uh, almost like a great weight. He said, I have great heaviness in my heart. A sadness. He said, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. So Paul is describing something here as of a sorrow that does not go away. A sorrow that a vacation onto a beautiful beach does not make you forget. A sorrow that goes with him for the all of his life. And as joyful as he was, and Paul was, he was the one who said, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. He, he, he was the one who talked about being happy in the Lord Jesus Christ, rejoicing for all that is, that, that's been given to us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But nevertheless, balanced out with that joy, Paul said, I do have a great heaviness. I do have a continual sorrow. Why? He couldn't forget. Couldn't forget what? I have great heaviness, continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ, for by brethren... My kinsmen, according to the flesh. You know, it's oftentimes said that when a Jewish person becomes a Christian, that he stops being Jewish, he turns his back on all of his Jewish people. That's not true. That's not Paul. Paul says, they're my kinsmen, even in their state of unbelief. They're my kinsmen. He says, they're my flesh, even in their state of rejecting God, rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. He puts his hand, he says, my kinsman, my landsman, my landlike, my landlight, my landsman. He says, my kinsman, my flesh. And he says, who are Israelites. Paul went on to say in Romans 10.1, because he continues with this, and he says, brethren, who are the brethren that he's writing to? The brethren he's writing to are those in Rome. Those are Goyim brethren. Those are Gentile brethren. He says, you are my brethren, my spiritual brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. But so he's, he, so you see in, in Romans 9, 3, he speaks about his brethren. Which brethren is he talking about there? His Jewish brethren, his fleshly brethren. That's why he said, my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. As opposed to in Romans 10.1 where he starts off and says, brethren, that's not his brethren according to the flesh. That's his brethren according to the spirit. He's speaking, when he talks about this burden for the lost Jewish people, he's speaking about his brethren according to the flesh. And he says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So beautiful the way he puts that there. He said, my heart's desire and prayer. So you see, there is the burden of desire, and then there is the response. There is the what to do about the burden. It's prayer. That's a lesson for us, that when we have a great burden for, let's say, a lost person or a situation that is impossible, what should we do? Follow what Paul said when he said, my heart's desire, and don't stop there, but then go on and prayer to God, and prayer to God, in this case for Israel, that they might be saved. 
But in spite of all of our heart's desire, and in spite of all of our prayer to God for Israel that they might be saved, in spite of all of our great heaviness and continual sorrow, in spite of our, all of our wishing ourselves accursed from Christ if the Jewish people could be saved, like Paul said, in spite of all of that, when it comes to the Jewish people, the reality is that we are not living in a day of what God said to Moses in verse 18, and they shall hearken to thy voice. Even though we wish we were, we're not. And the reality is that we're living in the day of another verse in Ezekiel 3.7, just like in Exodus 3.18, but as opposed to that, we're living in the day of Ezekiel 3.7, where God told Ezekiel, but the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me, for all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. As opposed to what God said to the prophet Moses in verse 18 in Exodus 3, of, and they shall hearken to thy voice, we're living in the day, of what God said to the prophet Ezekiel in the, ver- in the seventh verse of Ezekiel 3, but the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee. And when we read those verses, and of course we read that in Ezekiel, where God told Ezekiel in Ezekiel 3, 7, that the house of Israel will not hearken to them. When we, we talk to Jewish people today, it breaks our hearts. It breaks our hearts for them because we're living in a day like that. And what should our response be? And what is our response? It's the response of another prophet. It's the response of Jeremiah in chapter 9, verse 1, where he said, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. You know, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He has another book called Lamentations. And that's what he's expressing here. This is the epitome of what we think of when we think of the prophet Jeremiah here, these words. And so these words where he said, you know, I wish my head was just like a, a source of waters, like fountains, like a well that they just keep coming and coming. And my eyes are like the, the, the portals that the water just keeps coming out because I don't have enough liquid to create the tears, enough tears for how I feel when I weep day and night, he said, for the Jewish people of the slain of the daughter of my people. Now, if we are not to become crushed by this sorrow that Jeremiah is speaking about, by the sorrow that the Apostle Paul is speaking about, by the great heaviness and the continual sorrow that Paul spoke about. And we understand that we are not living in the day described to the prophet Moses of Exodus 3.18, they shall hearken to thy voice. But we are living in the day described to the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 3.7, but the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee. And we are living in the day when our response to their unbelief is the response of the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 9.1. Oh, that my head were waters, my fount- mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night. Jeremiah's response is the response of God. What Jeremiah is expressing, what Paul is expressing also, is how, is how God feels. How God responds to 
the unbelief of the Jewish people, which is what? A broken heart. A broken heart. That's what God has for the, when he thinks of the unbelief of the Jewish people, and that's what God is leading us to, calling us to, the ministry of a broken heart. A broken heart that drives to action. Remember what Paul said, my, my desire, that's the broken heart, and prayer to God, that's the action. So a broken heart that drives us to do. Drive A broken heart that drives us to do. Do what? More explaining, more sharing, more asking, more inviting, more pleading, more begging the lost Jewish people to get off the train. Get off the train that leads to the eternal Holocaust. And when Jeremiah encountered all this unbelief of the Jewish people, he really had a choice. Jeremiah had a choice. And when you and I encounter all the unbelief of the Jewish people, we have the same choice that Jeremiah had. And that choice was like this. Jeremiah, faced with the unbelief of the Jewish people, he could have decided to take it personally, get offended, get angry, become angry with the Jewish people. He could have decided to react against the Jewish people for their unbelief, and get angry with them as, unfortunately, Martin Luther did. When he became enraged at the unbelief of the Jewish people for not responding to his messages to them to be saved. And you and I come to that same crossroads. We come to that same decision point where we are brought there by the unbelief of the Jewish people, we can take it personally. We can become enraged to them. And if Jeremiah had done that, and if you and I do that, then Jeremiah would have never said, we will never say the words of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 9.1, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. And if we decide that, we take that tragic decision to become enraged at the Jewish people for their unbelief, then you and I will never repeat and will never mean if we ever did say the words and make them our words, oh, that on my head were waters and my eyes were, were a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the Jewish people. If we do not do that, which is the wrong one, but instead allow ourselves to become vulnerable. See, that's the other road, the good road that God wants us to take. The road that Jeremiah took, he allowed himself to become vulnerable. You know, when, when, there, when something hurts us, there is a decision point which we come to and we have to say, well, I'm, am I going to allow myself to be hurt or am I just going to seal off? Am I going to become hermetically sealed from the outside? You know, am I going to say, uh, you know, uh, I'm an island and I have my books and I don't need anybody else and I don't need them? And if we, and that's refusing to become, be, to allow ourselves to become vulnerable. But if we don't make ourselves vulnerable by letting God break our heart, like he, like he broke the heart of Paul and he broke the heart of Jeremiah for the lost Jewish people, then if, you, if a person decides 
to become hermetically sealed and insulated and hardens the heart, then they go down of one of two roads. One road is either the road of active anger or anti-Semitism against the lost Jewish people, or the other road is the road of passive anger against lost Jewish people, where there is a sinking into a who cares attitude, where, where there is a loss of the fervency to evangelize. There is the loss of the fervency to bring the gospel to the lost Jewish people. And that's a passive anger. And this passive anger is a resolution inside to have no feeling. No feeling to the fact that the majority are going to hell. This passive anger is a loss of the sense of urgency to bring the gospel to the lost people. This passive anger of no urgency to bring the gospel to the lost is justified by a belief in fatalism. It's more than que sera, sera. It's more than what will be, will be. Fatalism is what will be is meant to be. What to be is predestined to be. What to be is predetermined to be. And this belief in fatalism is the belief that God has already made the decision as to who will be saved, and the lost have no capability, total depravity. They have no capability to will, no capability to call on God. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, this message is available for free listening and download at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org, as well as all of Tom Cantor's materials are available at friendshipwithgod.org, including a free gift to lost Jewish people. We also have Tom Cantor's latest book, Whosoever Will versus Fatalism. Call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening.